Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. At the Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. That doesn't sound good. Paper shredder's jammed, but I think I fixed it. Oh, well, try shredding these $50 bills then. Seems like it's working. Mm, better try another 400 bucks. Stop. Instead of using money, use regular paper. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Friends, fans, and family, welcome to another edition of the I'm in Love With That Song podcast here on the Pantheon Podcast Network. This is going to be a fun one. November 2021 marks 60 years since the Fantastic Four was introduced in 1961 by Marvel Comics, launching the Marvel Universe. Now, regular listeners of this show know that, as well as being a music junkie, I'm also a big comic book fan. And I thought it'd be fun to bring these two things together and talk about some great songs that were inspired by comic books. Joining me on this episode are two friends and podcasting giants, Ken Mills and Eric Miller. Here's our conversation. Hi, I'm Brad Page, the host of the I'm in Love With That Song podcast, here with my good friend, Eric Miller from the Pods and Sods Network. Say hi, Eric. How you doing good, sir? And from Zilch, Pop, Podcast, and Cheap Talk, you know him, you love him, you can't quarantine without him. It's Ken Mills. The one, the only, the master of disaster. That's right. I'm Ken Mills and you're not, but I love you anyway. I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to be anywhere. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm glad to have you guys both join me here. Now, we all kind of came from different backgrounds, different parts of the country, different age groups. We each have our own stories to tell, but we have at least two things in common. We are all passionate about music and we also all love comic books. So I thought it would be fun to get together and play some songs that are about or are inspired by comic book heroes. So what do you think, guys? Should we dive right in? Love it. Let's drive right in. Let's let's get into those back uh, issue bins. All right. Yeah. And I'm going to kick it off with a song by Rick Springfield. I think most people in America think of Rick Springfield as an actor who had a side job as a pop star. But it's really the other way around. He was a, mus a musician long before he was a TV star. Um, I'm going to play a song from his second album way back in 1973, long before his general hospital days. Uh, the name of the album was Comic Book Heroes, and the cover featured a drawing of Rick in his own superhero costume. This was technically two songs, just kind of a short uh, title song, which is really just an intro to the main track, I'm Your Superman. So here's Rick Springfield with Comic Book Heroes slash I'm Your Superman. The 
There's times when real people let me down When the temperature falls to zero I curl up by the fire with a good book And for a while I am a superhero You really need to be a superhero Why don't you tell me about how you got into comics? Yeah, I mean, I grew up copper age, I guess you would say, right? So in the 80s, I was born in 71. So it was late 70s, early 80s when I started picking up comics. And like the first books I remember buying would be some of the Miller Daredevil stuff. There was a a local comic shop called Steve's Comic Relief in I-95 Marketplace in Pennsylvania, which anyone in the neighborhood knows and loves. And I remember buying Secret Wars. That was a big one for me. And once I started getting a little bit of a paper route, going to Steve's, then I started building runs and and so forth. That's when I sort of became serious about it. And Secret Wars probably was the first one where I bought issue after issue. Like I would go specifically to get that issue. Uh, And then I remember Alpha Flight, number one, Mm. and thinking it was like, oh, this is a number one. And I have it. And that's when I started like the ideations of like, these have value. I'm going to buy number one and it's going to be great. And I read it and I loved it. And John Byrne is probably my favorite artist. Yeah. So Eric, tell me what song did you pick? Uh, honestly, I don't have a lot of research on this. I suspect you know more about this song than I do, but it's the, uh, it's the Nobody Loves the Hulk song from 69. The, uh, who is it? By the Traits. The thing I love about, you know, when you're a kid and you appreciate it on one level, the older you get, you appreciate it on additional strata, right? So, you know, when you're a kid, you like Hulk smash and, you know, you don't sort of get beyond that. But then the older you get, the more you realize the nuance of him being tortured and the Jekyll and Hyde stuff. And in modern tellings, how he's he's an outcast and he's unwanted and he's even like banished to other worlds and, and so forth. I think this song is uh, is indicative of that back in 69 nobody likes the hulk and the lyrics are fun right they're literal uh, telling the story and and so forth maybe you have some more context of the song or the band brad yeah um i actually have a copy of this on 45 um, oh, wow but um the song was written by a fan a woman actually you can tell by the lyrics that she was a real fan because oftentimes with like novelty songs, it's sort of a cursory connection right. to the actual character. But, but you can tell she gets it right. 
And uh, she wrote the song in 1969 and hired this local garage band called The Traits to record it. And then she ran an ad on the, you know, those ad pages they used to run. She had an ad that she ran in there for about uh, two years. And that was the only way you could get it by sending a buck into the, the address in the ad. And she only sold a few hundred copies of it. I think she lost money on it. It was her idea of like, a, she thought she was going to make a million. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's great. I love everything about this song. One of my great loves is 60s garage band rock. And that is totally what this track is. Uh, the traits were just a bunch of nobodies from New Rochelle, New York. It's got everything you want in a garage rock track. It's got trashy recording, barely competent guitar solo, uh, impassioned vocals. I really love the part when he shouts, we don't allow no green skin people in here. <laughs> it's just, it's so great. <laughs> everything about this track is great. So jealous you picked it, but I'm glad it makes an appearance on this show because it's a favorite. How about you, Ken? What's when did you uh, jump in? I was born in 1963, so you got to figure that the world. I really came into the world at an amazing time, right? Because yeah. everything was going from black and white to color, right? And you had the everything from DC and Marvel exploding and pop mm. culture and music and everything was just, it was just amazing. And I'm not sure exactly the first time that I saw a comic book. I almost remember comic books at the same time that I tried to draw. I'm an artist by trade. Comics is really where all that started. And uh, so I came in the first comics I remember is DC, like Legion of Superheroes, Justice League, Batman, Superman, World Finest, stuff like that. And then Marvel 
I remember the Avengers Fantastic Four Spider-Man. True story, not kidding around here. I was in first grade and I taught myself to read through comic books. Uh, Comics have always been a morality center for me. They've been an entertainment for me. They have been some of the greatest stories I've ever read. It's just an amazing thing. And any, any art I ever do, comic books find its way in it somehow or another. So, Ken, what did you bring to the party? The chips, the dips, and the root beer, and this great song that, you know, comic books have always been associated with pop music some way, somehow, right? Whether it's the Beatles mentioning something like Captain Marvel zapped him right between the eyes, right? Yep. Uh, but this song was the first time I became aware of the rock and roll uh, comic book connection. I picked this song because it not only has Superman in it, probably the number one character when it comes to comic books, you don't really have comic books without Superman, but it also mentions Green Lantern. And I'll tell you what, Jack, Superman and Green Lantern ain't got nothing on me. This song is Sunshine Superman by Donovan. Superman on Green Lantern ain't got I just always thought it was so cool that not not just one superhero is mentioned in this song but two it was like yeah and i remember being a kid like the radio is on one song just goes into another and back in the 60s it was gosh it was so amazing you got the supremes and hendrix and the kinks and the monkeys and the beatles and you know uh, everything was possible you know what i mean it, was, it seemed like barriers were coming down right and left and then I heard in Superman and Green Lantern. And I was like, yeah, I got to get that 45. So I remember my mom buying that 45 for me. I flipped it over. I cannot remember what was on the other side of the state, but I know it didn't mention any of the other members of the Justice League. So screw that. <laughs> What's your story, Brad? When did you get into comics? It was somewhere around 1973-ish when I was in about third grade. And so the earliest books that I remember would be like some of the Neil Adams Batmans. But I was like a big Marvel guy. And the town I lived in was really small. We didn't have any convenience store in town that sold comics. But there was one in the next town over. I don't know how far that was. I'm going to say 10 miles. But we used to get on our bikes and pedal our banana seat bikes for 10 miles to buy our comics. On a spinner rack. Oh, the spinner. Yeah, the, yeah, spinner rack. Yep, yep. Hey, kids, comics. Yeah, and um, I read up until I was in 
going into seventh grade and then it just, um, you know, going into seventh grade and it didn't seem so cool anymore. And I, the thing that kills me is that some of the last couple of books I bought on the newsstand were giant size X-Men number one, oh, wow. 94. Right. And they weren't worth anything at the time. And I remember cutting the Marvel value stamps out of them. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and, uh, and I eventually sold them for like super cheap without realizing that they had actually become collectible because at the time it had to be old to be collectible. The idea that something that was only a couple of years old was collectible just wasn't really so much of a thing. That's the first book I remember that was like that. Yeah, un unlike me, who who you can still buy Alpha Flight Number One for basically the cover price, even now. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I've talked about this on my podcast, but back when I was a kid growing up in the seventies, it w was all about comics for me. I didn't have any interest in music. I didn't have any older older brothers or sisters at the house to turn me on to cool music. And my parents' idea of good music was Lawrence Welk. Mm -hmm. The only thing I knew about guitars were girls who in my fourth grade class would bring acoustics in and play day by day, Kumbaya and like seasons of the sun on acoustic guitars. None of that interested me still doesn't interest me. So I was just laser focused on comics. Uh, the first band I was into was kiss of course, but Actually, before I was into Kiss, the closest thing I had to a rock or pop record was this oddball album called The Amazing Spider-Man Beyond the Grave. And it was branded as a rock comic. It was released in 1972. It had a great cover by John Romita. Inside the gatefold album cover, there was a comic strip that you would follow along while listening to the album. The character of Peter Parker was voiced by that actor, Rene Aubergenois. I don't know. Oh, I butchered that, yeah. but you know who I'm talking about, right? He was on mm -hmm. Star Trek for a while, I think. Odo, yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah. And he yeah. was also on Benson. He was right. Yeah. And and on Boston Legal, and I can give you his entire ID. BM. He had a long career, and I think he just passed away fairly recently. Yes, he did. Sad to hear. Yeah, so he, he played Peter Parker, and in between the action, there were these pop songs that sort of would match the mood of the story at that moment. They're all original songs. They're written specifically for the record. They're credited to the Web Spinners, which mm. are just a bunch of studio guys. But the lead vocals were by Ron Dante, who was also mm. the voice of the Archies. Oh, no. So uh, I'm going to play the theme song from this album, which in, this may be a controversial statement, but for my money, this is the best Spider-Man theme, better than the one we all know. Uh, this one, I just love it. It features some great wah-wah guitar through the whole track. There's a key change in the last chorus and great vocals by Ron Dante. He even refers to Spider-Man at one point as the sex machine. <laughs> so check it out. This is the web spinners with the theme from the amazing Spider-Man. Amazing, amazing, how does he ever win? 
I think he's still a virgin, right? Yeah, but he's got that whole upside down kiss move, so he's ready Slack. at any Slack. given Slack. moment. Eric, what else did you bring to the table? I have a song. It's not. Uh, this is probably not a great way to frame it up. It's not the greatest song in the world, but it is a comic-inspired uh, lyric. It's by the band Sticks, and it's uh, Captain America. This is around 2000 or so. And the one thing about Sticks that's I always appreciated about them is they lyrically they could they could touch on sort of dystopian things and and sort of undercut American tropes. You know, Sweet Madam Blue, Miss America, JY. This is a JY song. This is on their uh, Cyclorama record, which I think is 2000. And this is when Glenn Burnick's in the band. Dennis is not. Uh, this is before Ricky Phillips, Lawrence Gowan is in the band. Basically, I picked this song because I wanted to talk to my friends about Captain America. Uh, it's a good rocking song. It's got a nice, uh, like I said, it kind of undercuts Cap, but also reframes him as inspiring in modern times, which is his story. So here is Sticks with uh, Captain America. about cap and this is why i picked the song just to talk to you guys about him there's the jingoism of captain america as a propagandistic tool early on we know that but by the time i was reading cap he would very much reveal uh corruption in his own government you know he rose above just being a tool of an empire and actually being defiant with his uniform in the pursuit of justice uh, the more perfect union, if you will, right? Pardon the cheese, but that was what I was moved by with Captain America. And damn, if that didn't inform my politics, if you guys know my politics, right? That side of Captain America very quickly made him one of my favorites. So what are your thoughts on well, Cap? I know Cap? Cap is my favorite character. Captain America can be on the surface. He looks like such a boring character. But if you find a writer and an artist who know what to do with them, yeah. watch out. You'll get nothing better than this. Uh, I'll go to my next song. Pick, right okay? on. All right. There is nothing more exciting. There are a few images in this world that are as, as exciting as what I'm going to talk about next. And I'm not necessarily talking about what the character means or whatever, but it's all wrapped up in so many different things, whether it was like, hey, it's coming on. 
tonight's the night you want to get in that bathtub and get all nice and clean and put on your batman pajamas because tonight we're gonna find out how batman and robin survived the venus flytrap <laughs> is it possible that they can do that and in a way that the the show may have either taken things seriously or not have taken things seriously that opening of the batman 1966 tv show is one of the best things i will ever see in my entire life nothing quite fills me with anticipation and joy it is everything about the 60s come to life it is everything mm. i love about batman coming to life this song is one of the greatest things ever written it is so simple and uh, batman along with captain kurt they were my dad i didn't grow up with a dad i grew up with uncles who tried to fill the voids and aunts who tried to fill the voids you know it takes a village right but i didn't know my dad and i always thought you know if i did have a dad i would like to think that i could be the robin mm. and he could be batman uh to me when when that song starts playing when you see that video of them running towards the camera a good time is to be had by all That song is it's just so iconic. It's got to be one of the greatest TV themes of all time. Yeah. Uh, On so many intro. levels. And covered by everyone from the Kinks to the Who to the Jam. They all did versions of that. Sadly, I don't think that there's a cover version that has ever sounded as good as the original mono version coming out of the local ABC affiliate or later the mm. UHF affiliate. I don't think that even though I have the Blu-ray set and have it on digital as well, uh, nothing sounds as good. You know, the, the greatest thing that I uh, that inspired me as a kid watching that original Batman series with Adam West is... Uh, just the hope that one day I would be tied in and out with Yvonne Craig. Oh yes. You know, that was my, uh, that was my childhood. And the thing I learned from Superman uh, in Superman two is uh, don't sacrifice anything for those you love. <laughs> that's not the, that's not that, the message. Isn't that, isn't that the moral of that story? Otherwise the world could get destroyed by uh, Zod, Nod and Ursa. Yeah, I grew up on that Batman series as well. And like I said, I had the Migos and, you know, that was, you know, there are audio recordings of me at like four and five playing with the Migos watching that show. I was all on it. It didn't, it doesn't hold up now. I don't have the reverence that you guys have for it, but, uh, you know, I, it has a context and a place. You know, there I is zero reverence for it. Listen, it, yeah. the thing is, is that it's just a comedy well, my last pick uh, is it's actually it's a pretty new song. It's from 2011, I believe. Uh, it's a song called Ring Capacity. 
by Kirby Crackle. I don't know anything about this band. Um, I think it's the brainchild of one guy named Kyle Stevens. He may actually be Kirby Crackle. He may play all the instruments himself. I don't know. But I just stumbled across this song online and totally fell in love with it. Um, for those that don't know, Kirby Crackle is an artistic flair or technique that Jack Kirby used to use just to denote energy in a general sense. So if you're naming your band Kirby Crackle, that's a sign that you got a real fan on your hands. Uh, this song is about Green Lantern and his power ring, but I just think it's uh, musically, it's just a fantastic power pop song that in a better world, I think you'd hear songs like this on the pop charts all the time. Here, here. Yeah, it's just, it's a great song regardless, but the fact that it's about comics, that's just icing on the cake. This is Kirby Crackle with Ring Capacity. I've yet to find my place I'm guarding 2814 I don't know why it's chosen me But from the corner of my eye I catch a glimpse of evil light The fear tries to swallow me Like I'm just some guy with an What would uh, what would Stan Lee say about Kirby Crackle? I kind of like the name. I can see where they came from with that. <laughs> A little homage to Jack Kirby, the king. Awesome. Let me jump in with my final pick uh, as well. Then talking about that Batman theme, there was in 1989. Am I right about that? There was the Tim Burton Batman movie, which was this whole other explosion of Batman. It came off the heels of Frank Miller's Year One. Uh, Killing Joke, uh, Alan Moore. And that was the Batman that I re-embraced. You know, this was the more adult Batman that spoke to me more in my teens and then 20s and so forth. And, you know, the Tim Burton movie at the time was kind of dark. You know, Jack Nicholson was dark. He killed people. He was a murderer, right? I understand Batman for kids and I, I, I'm all in on all of that, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm not a kid anymore. So I like darker Batman stuff. I didn't mention it, so it's my next song is Prince's Bat Dance because we're talking about the movie. This is a crazy-ass song, Bat Dance, because there's not like a chorus. It's just like this seven-minute just audio clips from the movie. But if you knew this at the time, you were all in. Like, I know every note of this song and every line. You can imagine every scene that it's pulled from. You know, stop the princess. Who is this, right? Every bit, you know, it's it's just so classic. I was re-watching it preparing for this and just every bit of it's so great prince with the costume you know half joker half batman how cool was that oh just absolutely brilliant you i know? mean at, at, at the time i was like what are they doing why would you do that but the older i get it's like that is a genius yeah super cool 
So here's my uh, final pick for this go round. This is Prince with his legendary bat dance. That is a great pick, Eric. I love that song. Prince is just a genius all the way around. The song I'm going to pick for this third go around is a song by the Crash Test Dummies. And when you think about it, this is like almost an evolution of our discussion in a way. Like I started out with Sunshine Superman, the first part. And then in the second part, we did the Batman TV show and now I'm doing Superman song by the crash test dummies and this song there's no real joy it, it talks about Clark Kent you know having a rough time of things right and it's almost a more realistic look at Superman if you will so this song is almost like a grown-up version of the other songs that I picked what, what's what's an adult Superman have to do to get by in this world sometimes when soup was stopping crimes I'll bet that he was tempted to just quit and turn his back on man join Tarzan in the forest but he stayed in the city Kept on changing clothes and dirty old phone booths till his work was through. Then nothing to do but go home. home. Superman never made any money. Saving the world from sorrow. Sometimes I despair the world will never see another man like him. And sometimes I despair the world will never see another man like him. Well, I just want to say thanks, you guys, for joining me to talk about two of my favorite things, comics and rock and roll. So thanks for coming on, Eric. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you and Ken. And Ken, thank you very much for coming on. We will uh, we will have to find another comics-related subject to talk about. This has been great. Oh, man, I've been brainstorming. I've got you covered for the next seven years or so. Let's do it. I didn't, I didn't even mention my foreign comics, this whole thing. Yeah, I plug mean, that. I Plug that real quick. Oh, I collect foreign comics. And I have a uh, podcast, Foreign Comics Calling Podcast, with my friend Ben Worthing, Matt Roybal, and Stephen Bagley. We do a foreign comic calling podcast. We talk all about foreign comics. It's a whole other subculture of comics. I could talk to you guys about comics all day long. So I thank thanks for the opportunity to do so. And just a request, can Ken close us out with a little Stanley? Excelsior, true believers. We want to thank you for listening to Brad Page, Eric Miller, and Ken Mills. Face front, true believers. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs>
And thanks to everyone for listening. Let us know what your favorite comic book-related songs are. Visit our Facebook page or our website, lovethatsongpodcast.com, or send an email to lovethatsongpodcast at gmail.com. This show is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, the place to find a ton of podcasts on your favorite bands and music. Check them out. And we'll be back in two weeks with another new episode. Thanks, everyone. The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. Roy. But who exactly is Roy? And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.